Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We gather tonight to also celebrate how strangers came to the help of strangers. We gather tonight to also proclaim that darkness, hatred, and violence, especially violence against women, is not welcomed here. That is uh, one of the memorials that took place on Young Street as we look back to this day when uh, terror struck. And it, became, it becomes one of those days where you look back and say, you know, where was I? You know, where was I when, you know, you heard that uh, someone was intentionally driving into people and trying to kill as many as he possibly could. And on that day, a woman named Tiffany Jeffkins was having a picnic with her 10-month-old daughter in Mel Lassen Square. And as soon as she heard screams, she knew she was needed because Tiffany is a trained CPR instructor. So when she saw that van jump the curb, saw four people mowed down, she would leave her daughter with her lunch friend and leap into what was nothing short of chaos. And of course, the training kicks in if you can ever be ready for a moment like that. But not only did her training kick in, she would go on to instruct other people, other witnesses of what to do and how to help the four people dying in front of them. All this while the van continued its reign of carnage. And sadly, one of those people would survive. Just one. But it was uh, certainly one of the very many moments of heroism that we hear about, a test of human strength, and without question will leave a mark. And for some, I think, will never go away. But for Miss Jeffkins, it was simply what she does. And she joins us now. Hi there. Hi. Take us back, if you will, to that day when, you know, you're enjoying these, you know, the tranquility and, and the peace of just enjoying a moment with your, your child. And you have the kind of training that you know when someone's in trouble. Take us through that moment. I don't think anybody really expects to have to exercise that, especially on a on a day when you're out, you know, having a, a social lunch with friends. And so I think just to think back to that day, it um, it really blew me away that I, I think in a, that I was there at the, in some cases, I guess you could say the right time at the right moment, um, because our regular pattern of, of lunch meetups never took us outdoors. It was the very first time we had eaten outside that year. And um, it was just a, a series of consequences of, you know, chance happenings that would place um, that would place us there for the day. And there were so many people like you who, many not like you who didn't have the training, but just jumped into action. And for you, you had those skills because from a very young age, whether it was through your swimming or, or becoming a lifeguard, you had that CPR instruction. So you knew mm-hmm. what to do. What was it like uh, when you're in absolute chaos, not expecting to need to use those skills, and then you're instructing others on what to do? And, you know, you're dealing with a situation that mm-hmm. is is pretty unimaginable. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I think, 
you don't really expect it. And so when it started, when it all started come, coming into action, um, a lot of people would have described it. It's kind of running on autopilot. You know, when you have a lot of these skills and foundations, like you said, from a young age, you kind of fall back on them because it just becomes, it becomes a part of who you are. And so when I started coaching others and encouraging others to help and help and step forward to help, um, I found I caught myself saying a lot of the things that I would repeat as a CPR instructor. I, I caught myself saying things that, um, and only reflecting afterwards, realizing I said things that, that I say, you know, I said day to day, you know, uh, training and training others, encouraging others. Um, so in that regard, it definitely felt like it was, it was another day on the job, but obviously not in, in the context of things and, and being in the midst of the chaos and the carnage. When you look back at that day, because certainly in the moment and probably in the weeks after it, it doesn't necessarily kind of kick in. But when you look back and certainly on a day like today, where does that take you? Mm-hmm. It it makes me pause and consider how how amazing the city is. Um, to reflect back on, on that day is is tough because I think I still relive a lot of the traumatic moments as opposed to looking for the positive in all that's come forward, you know, drawing our community together and supporting each other. Um, I've had unending strangers and uh, people I've encountered in my day-to-day life who found out about uh, this, that we were there at at the event that day and, um, and just offered words of encouragement. And that's really what's helped support me moving forward. And have you been able to speak or, or certainly have any communication with, with the families of those whose loved ones you either tried to help or maybe saved? I mean, has there been that communication or do you feel a connection? Um, I feel a connection in a, in a kind of ephemeral way in that I'm inextricably linked to their lives, but we are strangers. I haven't reached out to them only... Um, just for the sake of respecting their sense of privacy. I think with enough in this day and age of social media and, and the news, and um, I think it's really important to respect that and to, to kind of give a space for people to grieve or to reflect on how it's impacted their own families and their own loved ones. And um, so, yeah, I've just given, I think, knowing that they may or may not ever want to choose to speak with those that they you know, that encountered their loved, one, loved ones in their last moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing that we're available to them, I think, um, is more important. We hear an awful lot about um, PTSD, um, you know, more so now than we had in the mm-hmm. past, and frontline workers who often suffer it and suffer in silence. Do you have any moments where, you know, you find yourself either jarred or, or triggered by something that, that reminds you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think... Like you said, because it's a lot more prevalent now, definitely to hear it in the media, it makes people more aware that we are, after all, human and we're susceptible to a lot of these emotional feelings and a lot of the after effects of witnessing a traumatic situation. So more importantly, I think it's found a place for me to seek help and more and recognize that I do need help, you know, even with my training, even with my experience it's really important to to be able to speak about it, mostly to to friends and families, but also to seek professional help for some of the traumatic stress type symptoms that I've experienced. 
And you you speak publicly. I mean, you've been able to use your experience to broaden um, really kind of the role that you have played and and talk to others. Why, why the need to speak so publicly about it? Partially because there are no, or I should say, there are very few resources to help those who have been what we call typically passive bystanders or even lay rescuers. Mm-hmm. So these are untrained members of the public that happen to be like like myself at the right place at the right time. If you look at first responders and you know, in their myriad of services that they offer, they're also well supported. They have, you know, like we know of employee assistance programs, we know um, they're given trauma support, and I'm talking about fire, paramedics, police, they're given these and provided and ensured that these supports are available to them after having and being involved with these situations. But what's to say for those, and on that day, I'm I'll venture to say maybe hundreds of people that witnessed and potentially helped complete strangers in a traumatic situation. There are no founding uh, systems in place Mm -hmm. for these people and arguably probably the most important um, population to, to serve. Certainly. I mean, it's called bystander CPR. So most people would probably hear that and not think, you know, what is by, bystander CPR? And I always, t- I mean, I, the last CPR course I took, I think I was like eight. So I think to myself, I've got mm-hmm. to get those skills back and, and we need Absolutely. to learn. But bystander CPR, eh, you know, it seems like, um, you know, just an extra task on on the, the list of things to do in life. But at the same point, like you never imagine eating a picnic in the park with your daughter would spur a moment in time like like you witnessed and need for that training, but it can happen any time. Absolutely. And not just CPR, just to group it amongst all the, these life, critical life-saving skills. They should be real life skills, you know. Um, CPR and first aid, like you said, there are no mandated requirements to learn them throughout your life. If you were hopefully fortunate enough to encounter it through school, through uh, water safety programs, then you may have those skills, but because they're not required, um, you'll find a lot of the population, like yourself, probably has encountered it, you know, either, you know, watching on television, in passing, you know, in your childhood. But um, we know that statistics have shown us that 85% of cardiac arrest will likely happen at home. Yeah. So even though that my chance encountered happened to be in public, if you learn these skills, the chances are you're likely going to have to use it, A, on someone you know, and B, at home. Yeah. And you just, you don't know it until you know it and it's right in front of you. But, um, you know, this happened so, so close to where you were and you had your little girl with you. Do you, you know, when mm-hmm. you look back at, at what uh, you witnessed and, and what you saw that day, what will you tell your daughter? Will you ever talk about this with her? Absolutely. I've, I've made a note to try to collect some Old newspaper clippings and just some, you know, information around when it happened and even now at the one-year event, um, just to, to reflect back um, for her that she was essentially a part of history, you know, that she was there that day. Thankfully, she'll never remember it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, think, I think it speaks a lot to saying, you know, how the community came together afterwards, how I was supported by my community and how the community was there for us. Um, and, and moving forward, how it really kind of inspired my my future graduate work and uh, and really kind of solidified that this is what I was meant to do. Yeah, and you can tell that mom mom is a, a, a very humble hero. Um, thanks so much, uh, Tiffany, for joining us. I appreciate it. 
Thanks for having me. That is Tiffany Jenkins. And, uh, you know, she started very young uh, getting CPR training, whether it was just through the swimming courses or lifeguarding programs, all that kind of stuff. And you just take it for granted. But it's one of those skills that once you've got it, you never forget it, but you never know when you'll need it. And on that day, she was able to help an awful lot of people, if not just to serve as someone giving uh, hope, if not comfort. And um, it, it certainly gives you a pause and think maybe it's time to get those skills built again. So nice to talk to her on Global News Radio.